Welcome everybody to today's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. Now look, the reason I do these masterclasses every week is so that you can become more intelligent, so that you know more about specifically the property market and what it means in our overall economy and everything else. Because I am an accountant, I am an economist, and we need to be able to put these pieces together because first and foremost, I'm an investor, just like you. Now look, if you're listening to this on any of the, um, the podcast forums, either on Spotify or on uh, iTunes, please go across to my website, iloverealestate.tv, and make sure you get the charts, because I think it's super important that you understand why I'm saying the things I'm saying. So let's get into this week's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. All right, so what are we going to be covering? Well, first up, we're going to be looking at the property that went up $600,000 in a matter of nine weeks. Just incredible, seriously. Then we're going to uh, dive a little bit deeper into the Aussie economy, which is set to have a big comeback and why that's actually happening. We're going to be looking at the energy crisis. Now, this is something that's going right around the world, and I'm sure, I'm sure you've uh, you've felt it in your hip pocket when you've gone to fill up your your gas or your fuel or your petrol or whatever else, because um, it's really um, it, it's affecting the whole world. But I want to I want you to understand what it means for us here in Australia because we're not doing too badly out of it. Uh, the foreign buyers. Now, what's happening there? They're coming to Australia. There's a lot more increase in, uh, in viewings of property. And I want to talk about that because as the borders start to open up, this is going to be a really big player. And why our scorching hot market is only seventh in the world growth. So let's get into that. Now, first up, we'll start with the Australian economy. And when we look at the Australian economy, it's really primed for a big comeback. And this is partly due to how much money is actually in the system. You see, since we started COVID, there's been pouring out money, the government has been, into the economy. Now, it's coming out in all sorts of ways, whether it's job keepers, job seekers, I know that's finished now, the, uh, the building boost, that's finished now, but we're still pumping out around $4 billion a week. Now, that's having a dramatic impact on, on savings, and a lot of that saving is now, where's it going? Into the property market, and that's really one of the major reasons why we're seeing so much excitement in the market, because it's not from overseas just yet. It's coming, though. So we look at the business confidence. Now, this is a great chart. It really shows a big kick up uh, in business confidence. And uh, that is despite what's actually going on, uh, you know, with the, uh, the recent lockups. Um, I won't call them lockdowns. I think they're lockups, not lockdowns. Now, obviously, you guys are out of that now, but it's really a, a matter that this last, lot of, this last round of lockups didn't really affect the, uh, the property market at all. Uh, even in Melbourne, where it did have some impact last time, because businesses are seeing through it. And they're also got a little bit more hope as we lead up to Christmas that uh, things are going to get back to a little bit more normality. Now, when you look at the states, you can see here businesses Australia-wide are about 15% uh, up on, uh, on where we were this time last year. Um, and even the states, all of the states, right across the board, if you look at where we were this time last year compared to where we are this year when it comes from a business confidence perspective, they're all well and truly up. Even little old Victoria. <laughs> Victoria's obviously been the one that's the worst hit. Victoria's the one that's had the worst time out of COVID and everything else. 
um, and consequently it's the one that that's, hasn't rebounded quite as well as all of the other states have. Now that's really showing through also in the jobs and uh, jobs are very, very strong. If you look at the chart here, you can see, you know, this is pre-COVID, way back over here, this is pre-COVID where we were and where we are uh, are now coming, you know, obviously out of, out of COVID, we'll say, 76% um, up uh, for new postings and across all postings, it's 64% up on where we were pre-COVID. That is incredible. When you actually contemplate what that means and you go, you know, we're 60-70% up on where we were pre-COVID, from, from job postings and job ads and, you know, wanting people to, to work, that's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So good, uh, you know, good signs there. If we move on and we have a look at the actual states, even Victoria, <laughs> Victoria's the pink one, so even Victoria is 63% up on where it was a year ago. Now, look, a year ago, things were pretty bad. Um, oh, sorry, not a year ago. This is on uh, pre-COVID. So, you know, 63% up on where we were before everything started back in February of 2020. That's, that's really good signs. Now, these have probably got a little bit of a kick up here as we lead into Christmas because um, it always does as we lead into Christmas. But this is going right back, including a Christmas and everything else in there as well. So, you know, great, great job signs. This is actually a US chart. And um, what it shows is the consumption of goods and services. Now, consumption of goods has, has been trending very, very well. And this is the same for Australia. I just couldn't get the Australian chart. So you can see here, massive, massive increase. The last little lockdowns pulled that back a little bit. Um, services are down. Now, that's to be expected because what's a service? It's the hairdresser, it's the nail salon, it's the, um, the lawn mowing guy, it's all of those, those things that provide a service, the accountant, the lawyer, everybody else. They're the ones that are actually down. But even them, even the, the services sector is really coming back up to the normal trend line that we would have been on had COVID not happened. So uh, this is an Aussie chart and this shows the manufacturing sector and the services sector. So we're actually closer, um, both of those are closer than the American charts, but you can see here where both of them have had a big kick up. Manufacturing's just started to level off a little bit, um, which I think is a shame, you know, as I've made myself very, very vocal. Uh, we should be investing, the government should be investing their four billion a week into, uh, into bringing manufacturing back to this country because that's what we need to be doing long term. If we're going to, to be a, um, a country that has, has a, a strong economy in a 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we need to bring some of that manufacturing back here that we lost back in the 70s. Trades up. Um, this is the, uh, the word world trade volume you can see there um, and we're springing back but there's still a lot of growth to be had because we aren't up to the normal trend line that we would have seen had uh, COVID not happened. So we're starting to open up but there's still a lot of upside in the, uh, in the trade stakes and we will fare very well with that. If you look at, this is, I, I put up here, um, you know, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. Why am I saying that? Uh, because when you look at the economies ac around the world and you go, uh, you know, who's, who's, um, who's experiencing the best growth post-pandemic uh, in 20, and who's, you know, it's a trend line for 2022. It's the developed world 
that is actually performing the best. So, um, sorry, that's the world. This is the developed world here. Uh, it's performing the best. So the recovery is much, much stronger in the developed world than it is in the, in the um, you know, emerging markets. China is, is isolated there. And then low-income developing countries. These are the guys that are suffering the most. And that's typical. I mean, when you have a war, it's the same thing. And this time it's a war, but it's a war with a germ or a virus or whatever it's called. So, you know, we are really... Um, in a good place. Uh, I know that you know, it's good to sit on the right side of the fence here, but it's the developed countries that will pull through this and will actually make a lot of money, unfortunately, at the expense of some of the, uh, the poorer countries. So, and there's a lot more to come. You know, there's a lot more upside for the developed countries and a lot more downside for the poorer countries, unfortunately. So um, that's, uh, that's the, way of the way of the world at the moment. I bet you've seen the petrol prices. Now, this is the crisis that's going on. And there's a lot of reasons for it. And Europe's playing silly buggers, or at least Russia is. And, and the OECD are, are uh, you know, playing their part in keeping the, you know, the, the prices where they are, and OPEC and all that stuff. But, in, but what it means to us is, I paid over $2 the other day for a, um, a per litre on a tank of gas. It was crazy. They're going to go up, but the futures are starting to see there's a little bit of cooling in that. It's going to come down a little bit. Why I'm showing you this is because of inflation. Now, that's going to affect interest rates and a whole lot of other stuff, so we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, thermal coal. Now, we've seen coal go through the roof, and obviously we've been, been a major benefactor of that, um, but, it's, but the futures are starting to show that it's coming down which is normal. I mean, this is, the, this is the trend line of where we would be. So, you know, it, it can come down quite a bit and we're still going to be up on where we were pre-COVID and, and, and other things. So that's why business confidence is so high. We're starting to see that, that um, build up and build up of, uh, of confidence right across the board. Uh, we just need to have that manufacturing really topped up in this country, like I've said many times before. Oh my goodness, are we seeing a spike in foreign interest in Australian properties? It's started as the world's starting to open up, as we're starting to see aeroplanes starting to fly again and all of those other things. There's a major, major interest in properties in Australia. Now, we saw this before. We saw this when, it was in, when we came out of GFC. Australia is considered a safe haven for parking uh, money. And the easiest way to do that is in the property market because you get the growth in the property market as well as, uh, you know, the, any strength in the, in the exchange rates and every other thing. So we're seeing it coming from all sources. But let's go back a little bit and we'll have a look at the bigger picture. First up, I want to talk about the NAB index. Now, NAB's residential property index, they're saying, is a you know, massive hike up here, bit of a slowdown on uh, expectations for the last quarter of the year, but still... Lots of upside still in the property market is what they're saying. Um, this shows the, uh, the demand. Now, this spike up here that we're seeing is still the very, very strong demand, particularly for foreign buyers. And uh, we're seeing, you know, a, a, an increase in the amount of viewings of, from foreign foreigners to be buying in Australia, as well as um, actual purchases. And, and the demand's definitely up there. So this is the share and demand of new property from foreign buyers. And again, with the exception of WA, which seems to be a little bit sluggish, uh, you know, there's a, a good strong kick up there at the, at the end for all of the other major, major um, states.
This is the share of demand for established buildings. Similar story except for WA. WA is really running counter-cyclical to, uh, to what's happening from a foreign buyer perspective. Um, and I don't really know why. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you when I don't know, and I don't know, um, because the de demand is very good. The mining industry is going quite well. Um, but when it comes to foreign buyers, they want to be on the East Coast. So, interesting. Long-term arrivals to Australia. Well, it's a, you know, what do you expect? This is what has happened. But, of course, when you're this low from, uh, from foreigners coming into Australia, there's only one way, and that's up. And we're just, I don't know whether you can see that or not there, but we're just starting to get this little kick up um, that's starting to show through. So that's obviously going to come back up. It's with how far it comes and how quickly it comes. Uh, we'll wait and see. But as soon as those borders open and we have, uh, you know, people returning to Australia, we're going to have people uh, migrating to Australia. As soon as we, we open the floodgates for that, it's going to be a free-for-all, and I'm afraid that's when you're going to see massive, massive increases again in the property market, particularly for Sydney and Melbourne, because that's typically where they go. It's right across the board. Everybody will benefit from that. Well, benefit if you're in property, um, not benefit if you're not in it yet, which is why I really want to talk to all of you guys about your goals and where you want to be, because there's still upside left in this market, and you need to absolutely have your foothold. Um, there's lots of ways to get into the market, even if you've got no money. And that's why I'm giving everybody an opportunity to talk to one of my advisors for a whole hour for free to talk about where you're at, where you want to go, um, and uh, how we can help you with those goals. So this kick up is really going to have a massive impact on the property market again. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be something that we're, we're already seeing massive growth. But it's going to have another kick. And that's, that's what we're, we're, you know, it's going to happen. I just can't say it any stronger. Now, this is the, uh, the price of money remains at a 500-year, 5,000-year low. I don't know how they worked this out, seriously. But this chart came out and I thought I just have to show you guys. Now, they've gone back and they've traced the cost of money back to 3,000 BC. Don't ask me how. I don't know, maybe they read it in the mosaics of the Egyptians or something. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But anyway, that's what they're saying with where the cost of money was. And this is where we've bobbed around for the last 5,000 years. And the last time that money was anywhere near as cheap as it is today was back in the Great Depression of the 1930s. So, uh, you know, that, you can see that, 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 uh, that drop off there. Well, we're below that now. We are below where we were in the 1930s, but we're a lot better off than we were in the 1930s. And the reason for that is all of the pumping out of money. So this is what's the amount of money in the system, not just in Australia, but right around the world. It's creating this, this urgency of property and hard assets and basically playing out everything that I said was going to happen last year. And it now is. And this is a big part of that. This is a US chart, but it actually shows you money is cheaper um, and there's a lot of it. So you can see here, this is the great increase in um, money in the system. Now, this is very similar to what we're experiencing here in Australia. Now, this, this chart we're showing here sounds very much like what happened back in 2008, uh, or the aftermath of 2008, which was, of course, was the global financial crisis. But look at the increase in money there compared to where it is here. 
This is just off the charts, the amount of money that's pumping into the system. And that's why the uh, developing countries are doing, um, doing so well. So this is the energy crisis. Aussies companies cash in on the energy crisis because we are basically an energy country. We are a resource country. And consequently, we're seeing a great amount of benefit <coughs> out of everything that's happening there in, um, in uh, the, the cutbacks and, and uh, lack of supply and everything else in, um, in the energy sector. This is actually from Woodside and Santos, you know, cashing in on the supply. Um, Woodside Petroleum and Santos raked in almost $3.6 billion in sales in September quarter. That's up 80% from the same time uh, last year as oil and gas producers cash in on the international energy crisis. So we're seeing more and more the Australian companies that are, have any kind of energy resource out there, their profits have just gone through the roof. Share prices have two, I might add. <coughs> so um, the last quarter has particularly shown that because of coal being up, um, LNGs being up, iron ore has actually come down. But I'm going to expect that the coal prices and everything else will come down as well because they're already starting to show the signs. A cargo ship of LNG, which is natural gas, cost $281 million. It was just $10 million in 2020. Get that. $10 million to $281 million. <coughs> That's a container load of natural gas. Now, that really shows you this, this huge energy push that's happening. And LNG is considered to be the green energy. Uh, whether it is or not, I, I'm a little bit uh, sceptical. But it's seen as the green energy and it ticks one of the boxes for those countries that uh, want to go, go green. So our trade is obviously up. When we look at our balance of trade, how much we're exporting to how much we're importing, very, very strong balance of trade. But it's mainly in the resource sector and also in the primary industry sector as well. So if you look here, this is the difference between our exports and our imports. You can see um, exports have come up dramatically. Imports have too, but not as much as we see with our exports. So this is where we want to be. We want to see exports above imports because that what that means is our country is making a profit, and that's what we want to see. And when we look at the, the overall balance of trade, we're doing very, very well. So pretty happy about all of that, I can tell you. I just want to share this with you. This was a case, and it was publicised in the mainstream media, of a house that um, was bought and resold in nine weeks for $600,000 more than the original purchase. Get a load of this. Yes, it's a hot, hot market. So a couple flipped a house, didn't do anything to it at all, in nine weeks for $600,000. Um, it's going to get hotter, though, because Australia is only the seventh in terms of global price growth. So we look at this and we go, well, we're not as actually as hot in the market as a lot of the international uh, in other, other countries are. That was the house there. I mean, it's an ordinary-looking house. It's nothing, nothing flash, really. Um, and it was in uh, it resold in Kensington, a Kensington house. And uh, yeah, there's uh, bits and pieces there. So it's not a, you know, it's an okay house, but it's 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 nothing flash. Um, so we look at CoreLogic. Now this is where the prices have gone. This is the index of of uh, home pricing. It tells a story that everybody knows. 
um, and uh, you know record home lending, which is which is tracking alongside the pricing going up. So it's easier to get money. Um, the banks are, are relatively liberal with their their lending policies and other things at the moment. So we can get the finance. We want the houses. Prices are going up. Demand's going up. Supply's not there yet. So uh, you know, this is a this is a, a chart that shows across the world. It's a it's a global phenomenon. It's not just what's happening here in Australia. This is happening right around the world. So we're just we're just part of what's going on everywhere else. In fact, when we look at the the uh, house price index, we actually sit seventh. If you have a look at that, so. Turkey is, is up here. This is the 12-month change. Turkey's up there at nearly 30%. New Zealand at 26%. Then we've got the United States at 18 uh, Slovakia at uh, 18 Sweden at, at 17 Luxembourg at 17 And we sit there at 16%. That's right across Australia. Some of our cities have obviously done more than that, like Sydney um, and some other cities as well. I mean, you know, we've experienced it absolutely everywhere. So, what does all of that mean? What it means is there's more upside to come. Um, as soon as the international borders open up, we are going to see another massive surge. Interest rates are going to stay down for some time. They will go up, though. Um, I'll, talk, I'll talk next week more about the RBA and what's happening there with interest rates and other things. And the bottom line is you need to have the biggest footprint in the market as you possibly can. Just buying something is not going to serve you as well as if you, uh, if, as if you have a, a calculated positioning in the market where you're making money in the market and the market's rising. Now, the more footprint you can have in the market, the more money you're going to make. And the next few years are going to be very, very crucial. And the sooner you get yourself educated and the sooner you get uh, smarter about the property market rather than just FOMO and everything else, because some of those prices will actually come down and there's a lot of rubbish on the market, I, I really super encourage you to take up one of my appointments with one of my guys, you know, the advisors. It's free. Um, and let's just talk about what you can do to accelerate your position because... If you're listening to this, you're obviously involved in property. You're obviously interested in what's going on. And, uh, you know, it's the intelligent property investors that are going to make the most money. That's the end of the line. It's the intelligent property investors that are going to make the most money over these next few years. And you can't afford to delay it. The sooner you get in, the more money you're actually going to make. So my thought for the week. Remember, do what you love and love what you do. If you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Well, I don't know about you, but I love property. And that's why, and I love real estate. We, um, you know, this is what we love to do. We love property. We love making money out of property. It's a very different life. I was talking to one of my students the other day, and um, they were saying, you know, that the penny really dropped when in one property in a year, uh, out of what they did to that property, they made $400,000. She worked five, six, you know, five days a week, sometimes six days a week, um, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week sometimes to earn $90,000. And that property deal that the husband was actually managing took about mm, maybe an hour, 
maybe half an hour, a day maybe, some days not at all, to actually make that $400,000. That's what matters. So it's getting on the smart side of it, not just buying end of line products, but actually getting on the smart side and making the money out of the property market. And I tell you what, doing that in a market like this, you're going to do very, very well and not have to work those whatever hours a week to earn your 90 grand, um, but pick up as, as they did, 400 grand in the same year, doing a lot less work. Makes more sense to me, I can tell you. So how do you do that? You take up one of these appointments. They're called Breakthrough uh, Real Estate Sessions with one of my advisors. They're 60 minutes long. They are free. And all you have to do is to go to iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash. There's only a few appointments there. My advisors have set some time aside at those appointments. Lock yourself in. Get yourself um, organised for the time. Have a think about your goals before you actually do get on the call and, uh, you know, really work out where you want to be in a few years' time because they're the buckets that we want to kick. So thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed this week's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. I'll be back again next week to talk to you again. Bye now.